We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. Focusing on you, the fan, on a Thursday home and home. Which fan should be more important for football, baseball, basketball leagues, the fan at the game, the season ticket holder, the true diehard, or you, the television fan who doesn't go to games any longer? Poll question. Answer it at RDC Home and Home this morning on Twitter. And we'll spin that quarterback carousel in the NFL and see where some big names stop in free agency. Should be a fascinating offseason in the NFL. Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. And we're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. A lot to discuss. NFL, Astros. Holy cow, you won't believe how many teams knew about the cheating and reported it to Major League Baseball. We'll talk with uh, one of the great writers from the Washington Post, as well as Christian Fourier, W-E-E-I, why he is 99.6% sure Tom Brady is out of here, gone. Adiosing New England. But we start with what pissed me off this morning. And what pisses me off, probably five days a week. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. And Ross Tucker, nothing ticks me off every day more than dropping off, picking up kids. Maybe I'm going to dance. Maybe I'm going to basketball. One of the 19 things I drive my kids to all week. And there's always some asshole taking an extra two or three minutes to back into a freaking parking space in a crowded parking lot where traffic is streaming in all to save yourself about nine seconds when you leave that spot later on. There is a special place in hell for every one of you that takes an extra two minutes while I back into a parking space. All of you. Yeah. uh, Good morning, Dave. As usual... You are wrong on this topic. I'm glad you brought it up for several reasons. First of all, maybe you should be a little more detail-oriented and get there a little bit earlier and not have to be so frustrated by someone else potentially making you late. No! Everybody's pissed off at that guy. I'm not going to show up 10 minutes early to dance 10 minutes early to theater, 10 minutes early to drop my kid off at school. I'm going to show up on time. That's All right, the whole so here's idea. The deal. Show here's up the on deal, time though. and get it done. What, what, ki- what, what kind of car do you drive, or at least what size car do you drive? I, I drive a big GMC SUV. Okay. So then you would know that a lot of times it's much easier to properly go into a parking spot by backing in than it is to go front end first, especially if there's only one spot and there's cars on either side. 
you try to just go in with the front end like that, you got to really go wide to get in there between those two cars. Whereas if you go forward back in with the camera, you can properly get right in that small space so you're not up too close against the car on either side. Now, I will submit to you that if there's a series of open parking spots, that's different. But if there's only one parking spot available where this person's going, you absolutely go forward a little bit, back in, you've got the rear view camera, oh, this is nice, ooh, like butter. You go in perfectly in between those two cars. You can get out of there right away afterwards, and it's a lot easier to be properly spaced no, between no. the cars on either side than if you try to go in front ways with a that, big car. That is ludicrous. That is ludicrous. Is it's, it is so much easier to use my eyes staring directly at the two cars on either side no. than it is to use a camera on your dashboard with the fuzzy image. But it's not about that. It's not about what's easier. That's not why people do it. And you know it. People back into parking spaces in crowded parking lots so it's easier for them when they leave two, three, four, five, six, whatever hours later. So they can save what? Five, ten seconds later on in their day, they're going to inconvenience an entire parking lot. Look, it's not about ease. It's not about accuracy. It is for me. It is no, for me. You are, you are selfish. If you no, back it is into for a parking me. space in a crowded lot, you are just a selfish human being, period. It's me, me, me. That's who you are. So just so you know, I, I back in almost all the time. And I would, say it's, I would say it's 75%, Dave, in all sincerity. The reasoning is because I think it's an easier, better way to be properly configured in the spot as opposed to when I try, like if you're coming around and there's a car here and a car there and there's one spot there, it's not that easy to go front end in and not be really close to that car on the left. You're really close to that car on the left. If it's small parking spots, you're really close to that spot park on the left if you just go in front end. You got to go up and back in. So I can tell you, in all, and you can say I'm wrong or a jerk, but just so you know and have a little more understanding, no. it is 75% because it's a better, more efficient way to properly park the car. 25%, I like being able to get out of there right away. You, you got that completely flipped. I'm going to take a survey at every human being I get pissed at. Maybe it'll help me through this process every morning and every afternoon and evening if I do talk to some of those people. But I'm guessing they're like you. They probably don't have dogs. They probably don't like animals. They're just selfish, me, me, me people. They're like you, you know? I mean, that's that's what I'm going to find out when I survey all the people. Well, hold on a second, like hold on a second. Hold on yeah, a second. Yeah. Isn't it selfish to get angry and frustrated at people who are unselfish with their time no! such that they get there early. You are so selfish that you're going to be late and in a hurry 
maybe you shouldn't be so selfish with your time. If every idiot parked backing in, traffic would be backed up for miles. You don't need it to be every person. It's just when just there's the only one spot to get into. It's just when there's only one spot to fit into. Do you, do you recline your seat in an airplane? A thousand percent. I have to. I have to. Yeah. Right. It's me, the same me, me. Reason, yeah. It's the same reason why most of the time when yeah. we're doing this show, I'm sitting back like this. I had a back surgery. So if I'm up straight like this the whole time, that kills my back. I need to be able to recline a little bit. Otherwise, I'm in a lot of pain. And guess what? Yeah. I'm okay if the person in front of me reclines. I don't love it, but I understand it. It doesn't bother me that much. And A, I'm bigger than you. And B, it sounds to me like you are an insensitive jerk that lacks the proper empathy for my back condition. Uh, the guy who's had two back surgeries. The guy that broke his back at age 15. Not here, fella. It's just me, and me, you me. Don't You're recline? Like, you don't recline your seat? I do what the, um, I go with the flow. I prefer actually to recline it, but I go with the flow. Like if people aren't reclining their seats i feel like it is a, a commitment you're all making to one another these seats are miserable now absolutely miserable uh i mean there's just no room so you recline you're hurting somebody's all knees. right so are you are you in pain if you don't recline i'm in pain either way i'm miserable either way i mean with this back giant long legs no i'm miserable all the time on okay, an airplane so, then, so for me and, and honestly, Dave, I don't even need to recline it all the way. But the difference between this and this, I, I can't even tell you. I, I'd pay $100 for it. The difference between that and that makes all the difference in the world for me. I'm willing to forgive you on the reclining. You're the devil for the backing in the parking space thing. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this later in the program. We'll talk about it with Nick Costos. Maybe he will settle this. Another me, me, me guy, I believe, is former Colorado, now Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker. He left Colorado because they doubled his salary. Some parents and grandparents feel that he stared in their eyes and lied to him. One of them is a legend, Drew Pearson, Cowboys legendary wide receiver, who called Mel Tucker a con man. And we're happy to report Drew Pearson will be on the program in about 30 minutes. And in 20 minutes, Christian Fourier, whose son committed to Mel Tucker and Colorado. So perhaps we'll settle that me, me, me dispute. But to the NFL and to the XFL, really, we go. And another me versus you sort of question. Should the NFL consider first you, the tens of millions of television NFL viewers across the country, most of you who either can't afford to or just don't want to go to an NFL game, should that be considered first? Or should the true hardcore NFL fans, the season ticket holders, should they be the consideration first for the league? Who is more important? Because this league was built on the backs of season ticket holders and those fans who want to tailgate and go pay an extra $100, $200 to see a game, to see eight games a year. 
That's what the league was built on. But the future, of course, is all about you at television, the television viewer. And so the NFL now considering flex scheduling as part of its Monday night football package, which begs that question, Ross, who should be more important? Should it be the loyal, diehard, committed season ticket holders or where the almighty buck ultimately comes from now, the television viewer? You know, Dave, this is a tough one for me. And I'm already looking at the poll results and I can tell it's a tough one for people as well. At RDC Home and Home, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. The network at RDC Sports. You know, it. I, I think it's the fan at the stadium because I think that the fan being at the stadium is very important for the fan viewing it at home, if that makes sense. So it's not a good look for any sporting event. And I've done a lot of them as a broadcaster, Dave, and you have too. It's just different if there aren't a lot of people there. It's just different if there isn't an intense atmosphere and fans that you can tell really care or are into it. Now, in terms of flex scheduling, yeah, you're kind of screwing over the season ticket holder a little bit, but let's be honest, they're going to go or they're going to sell or give their tickets to somebody else who's going to go anyway, probably, right? So I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure about okay. that. That's well, yeah. Okay, so that's – but by the way, that's the question. Um, monetarily, the TV viewer is – there's just much many more of them, and it's much more important that you do what's best for all the people at home – than the 65,000 that might be inconvenienced. There's no there's no debate about that. So from a league perspective, it's more important all of the millions and millions of people at home, but you would agree, Dave, it's very important for television that there are people in the stands and they look like they give a shit. Yes, but how many fans would abandon their season tickets because of uh, changes like flex scheduling. And that's ultimately the question. Now, a lot of parents, if they were committed to a Sunday afternoon football game and they're taking their kids, would not be able to go if suddenly, last minute, you move that game to a Monday night. You're probably not bringing your kids to a game, at least out on the East Coast or the Central Time Zone when they're going to be home at 12 o'clock, 1 in the morning. Those fans that travel to games, you're talking Packers fans, you're talking Steelers fans, you're talking Patriots fans, probably a few other fan bases as well, but those are the core traveling fan bases. Would they stop traveling to away games if all of a sudden they plan to fly in, fly on a Sunday, you move that game to a Monday, it's going to cost them several hundred more dollars to change their their plane reservation. So what type of an impact would moving games from a Sunday to a Monday night, what type of impact would that have on the crowd? Look, bottom line is it's it's not as great a game at stadiums. No game is, maybe baseball. Football is all about the television experience. And I say you have to prioritize the best television numbers 
and you have to prioritize those TV audiences. I don't think flex scheduling, messing around with a few season ticket holders, let's call them 30, 40,000 per market. The benefit you'd get from moving a great game to Monday night is far greater than the outcry of a, a few thousand season ticket holders, in my estimation. You got to go with the TV experience here. Yeah, you know what? I, I guess it all depends on on whose perspective we're coming from, right? I mean, every season ticket holder, Dave, would say the season ticket holders at the stadium are more important. Um, everybody that doesn't go to the games and watches at home would say the television people are more important. I, I guess the question that we really need to debate is the team and the leagues themselves. Because I'd also say this, Dave, not only are the people in the stands very important from a television perspective, but those are usually the diehards of the diehards, bro. Like, those are the people that buy the most merch. Those are the people that spend... Look, I know the TV ratings are big, right? I I get that. But for individual teams... They don't, I mean, they do care about the national television audience because they get that national TV money. I get that. But that goes up a ton every year. Those people that go to the stand, stadium, they all have jerseys. They all buy a bunch of beers and $12 hot dogs. I mean, they go there and they throw a couple hundred bucks right in your pocket if you're the team. I think the teams might say, the people at the stadium, I think the league would say it's the people at home. I think the teams would say publicly it's the people in the stands. I think they would say privately and in negotiations, just make me some money. Just make me rich. And what makes me richest is that massive television deal that some feel could go up 40, 50% and the next TV deal. So yes, Publicly, I think they would at least pledge to you that it is those season ticket holders because that has to be your public face. But it's a big question. Well, and here and here's the question yeah. too, Dave. Sorry, and yeah. here's the question too: is here be my question, and I and then I could answer this. How much more money do they get from ABC, ESPN, if they institute flex scheduling? Like, if that's ten million dollars. I'm saying, I don't know. If it's $50 million, that's that might be different. So to me, on some level, we need to know, and maybe we can get some TV guy on, what the value is yeah. of ABC slash ESPN being able to flex schedule a good game from Sunday to Monday when the Monday night game's shitty. Yeah, that's that's a big good business question. Uh, so let's figure it. Somebody that can, I'm guessing the benefit from TV money exponentially outweighs. I mean, you're not going to be playing in front of an empty stadium. You might impact a few thousand fans that are probably going to have to bail. So absolutely, I think this leans heavily towards the television audience. And, and it's a question for your. XFL, as they're building a league, what should they focus on as well? Because what we saw in week one of the XFL and what we'll see this coming weekend is it's all about the television product. Would you go to an XFL game? I would not 
but I don't go to NFL games either because to me, the benefit of the XFL, what makes it unique is the television experience, the refs being mic'd up, the coach being mic'd up, hearing the last second communication with the quarterback, the replay booth being mic'd up. It's all about those uh, television experiences, the in-game interviews with players during the game, if you hadn't seen it on week one. So it's clear that the XFL is all about the television dollar. And, and that tells you a lot about the economics, I think, of football, that they are focused on, on some increased TV numbers. And yeah, as long as they get 14,000 in a stadium, looks like they're going to be okay. Now, there's a different question is, should they play in smaller stadiums? And I think the NFL should ultimately as well. Smaller stadiums look better, feel better when they're full rather than putting that same number in MetLife. But, Ross, would you go to an XFL game based on the television product? No. No, I, I think what the XFL has going for them is that they're willing to be very aggressive and creative with the television product. I mean, that that that's their shot, in my mind, is to be even more aggressive with the TV product be even more aggressive on the sports betting thing. Like, I got to tell you, I mean, I probably, they're spending pretty good money on these quarterbacks from what I've heard. I probably would have spent the money on Manziel, probably would have spent the money on Tebow uh, to get more people watching. Probably not Kaepernick, although even at $20 million, I think you could argue that Kaepernick would give you a return on that investment with that many people watching and curious and all of his supporters, everything that goes along with that, all of the attention and buzz you would get. I mean, it's probably $20 million worth to be honest with you. So I probably would have done that on, I I'd be even more aggressive on TV. Like Jim Zorn came out and said, I didn't know that they were going to, Talk about, you know, the microphones would be that. Jim, 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 we're, we're trying to let you have a job, bro. Okay? We are trying to let you have a job in football. All you have to do is let them have everything you say. Who cares? Who gives a shit, Jim? You're not saying anything that interesting or that earth-shattering anyway. In fact, it'd be nice if you did. I mean, what I that, that they made like if we had Oliver Luck come on again, I would tell him all these things. But that to me is a big mistake. Like every coach and every player should be keenly aware that there's microphones everywhere. And by the way, encouraged to say shit. Positive, negative, energetic, I don't know. But it shouldn't be. I, I really was surprised. that I, I didn't think they'd have that, that kind of access. Jim, we're trying to give you a job, dude. We're trying to let you keep a job. Help me help you, Jim. Help me help you. Help me help you. I had a question on all the... I have a question for you. Strategically, all the uh, mic'd up coaching... Um, calls to the quarterback, all the mic'd up coaches, how much would that hurt or help your opposition prepare for you? Do you not have to change up your terminology 
for offense and for defense each and every week because now the other team knows what um, Omaha means? Okay, first of all, Omaha means we're going to snap the ball on first count. Omaha Blue Goat. Omaha Blue Goat. So now I just told the whole world that secret, okay? That's number one. Number two, they're not going to use the – like, they still have broadcasters. They're not going to use the the audio that often. And a lot of times they can use it after the fact. But if they use it right before the play, you're not going to have time to be watching. Because, by the way, there's a delay in the TV broadcast. So you're not going to be able to watch the – hear him call it, and then signal down, uh, they called uh, X, Y post, watch the Y post. I mean, if you're trying to do that, to me, you've probably already lost, especially when, by the way, how many times are I going to do that the whole game? Three or four times? So you're going to have one guy that's just there to try to radio that down to maybe give you a snippet of information? I don't think it's that big of a deal from a competitive standpoint. Mm. I mean, nowadays, Dave, they have that microphone on like the umpire, um, you hear so much. Like you can hear NFL quarterbacks, their whole cadence and everything. I hear Brady say, um, uh, Lido, Lido, which means they're dueling Mike to Sam to the left side. Rita is a duel Mike to Sam to the right side. Like I still know, I still remember what that stuff is. Rita, he, he the, the, the line is sliding to the right dual reading the mic to the Sam, whoever comes. I mean, everybody knows what that is. Okay. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I was just watching that, that broadcast in week one, thinking about how is this going to factor into preparations? How much more difficult would changing your terminology be each and every week? Uh, You mentioned one thing that you would do, uh, encourage Oliver Luck to do. I think the one thing they ought to do, and it goes back to Kaepernick, paying that $10 million. They need one massive salary exemption per team that would allow them to take a shot at a Tebow, at a Kaepernick. That would be the one thing I would do to try to get some big names in the league is allow one major, and to your point, it might be $10 million, one player XFL salary cap exemption. Um, As we finish this, and you mentioned Colin, Colin Kaepernick in reference to that, giving an interview this morning with USA Today, and says he's writing a tell-all memoir, and he still wants to be in the NFL. Number one, before we take a break, do you care what's in that tell-all memoir? And is that going to make it clear that he really does not want a place in the NFL? Um, I, I thought the tryout was evident that a place in the NFL was not his top priority. If his top priority was playing in the NFL, he would have followed the NFL's rules and done what they asked. And look, you can say, oh, they did this and they did that and both sides have their things and blah, blah. There's no argument to be made that his number one priority is playing in the NFL if he didn't go along with the NFL-sanctioned tryout, period. He says, my desire to play football is still there. I still train five days a week. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for a phone call, tryout, workout at any point in time. Can I say something, Dave? Can I say something? Please do. Is this guy, like, he doesn't seem to be overly efficient with his time. Like, 
you're going to train five days a week to still be a quarterback, and then the NFL gives you a tryout and you don't go to it and essentially ruin any chance you have of being a quarterback? Like, hey, if you want to work out so you're in awesome shape, I say go for it, bro. But if he's spending a lot, a big portion of his day throwing footballs, training to be a quarterback, and then when the NFL gives him a chance to have a yeah. sanctioned tryout, he doesn't go to it, then we might need to talk about efficient usage of time. You should make his life a little more efficient, but here's the money quote and why I don't think he really wants to play. I'm still waiting on the owners and their partners to stop running from this situation. That's a pretty good way to assure that you don't get signed by taunting the very people that would pay your paycheck. Maybe at some point he will stop getting headlines and getting exclusive interviews. Colin Kaepernick. More on that later on, but up next after a break, Christian Fourier, Sports Radio WEEI in Boston will join us. Why he says he thinks it's 99.6% that Tom Brady walks away from the New England Patriots, the former Patriots tight end, after a break. But first, Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be. After unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company, then she switched to ZipRecruiter. She saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 99.6%. Why is former Patriots tight end Chris Fourier 99.6% top New England. That's what we'll discuss on a Thursday home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We'll also discuss Mel Tucker packing his bags, leaving my alma mater, Christian Fourier's alma mater, and Drew Pearson's alma mater. The former Cowboys wide receiver joins us later on this morning and going to Michigan State for more money. Damn it. Just pissing myself off this morning. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. And Christian Fourier, Sports Radio WEI, former Patriots and University of Colorado tight end joining us now on the phone. Christian, good to talk to you. A lot of sports stuff to get to. But I start with this. When you pull into a parking lot, you take your kids to a lot of stuff. You pick them up at a lot of things. Do you back into a parking space or do you pull into it efficiently and quickly and let the rest of the parents move along the way? What type of human being are you? 
Well, I'm, a, I'm an efficient human being. So if I have the opportunity, I am backing in. Is, oh. it, but I'm always backing in because I want a quick getaway. But if I'm in like a drugstore or if I'm at like a shopping mall where there's a lot of people, I go head first and I don't worry about it. But at work, we have this, we have this discussion slash fight all the time. I back in. I, I, don't, I feel like it's more efficient. I feel like it's smarter. People who, people who go in head first, when they don't need to, are lazy. But that's me. What you got, Chris? <laughs> All right, Tucker, go. Well, I was just gonna say, as usual, Christian, you are right, <laughs> and Dave is wrong. I back in nation represent, but because by the way, if you're backing in right, it doesn't take very long at all. Number one, number no. two, you you are you are being more considerate to the cars on either side of the parking spot when you back in. When you go front in, oh. you there is no way. If you got a big SUV like me, there's no way. You're going to be too close to one side or the other. And usually it's the car to your driver's side if you go front in. Yeah, I think what Dave is really, if you really want to go all, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, psychoanalyze Dave, is the fact that he's insecure that he can't back in, so he's mad at all those who can. So when the yeah. topic comes up, he gets angry no! because he doesn't know how to back up. <laughs> listen, dickheads. Listen. Shut your mouth. I mean, it's okay. I can, Shut listen, your mouth and listen. You, I will teach you. <laughs> I, I have the floor. The most important, the only thing that matters that you just said, there's only one thing that matters. You said when you feel like it's a crowded parking lot with a lot of traffic streaming in you pull in straight because you don't want to be a selfish prick you just said the only thing that matters and the people that back into spaces take an extra two minutes to back into a spot to save them nine seconds when they leave later on selfish me 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 people <laughs> Well, That's I mean, who you listen, are. It's understood. You it's, no, you have to be aware of your surroundings and your circumstances. Yeah, I don't want to be inconsiderate. So if I'm at a mall, I'm in and I'm out. I'm not, I hate people who sit there and can't pull into a parking spot head first and they take three attempts at it. Okay, so God forbid someone who can't do it backing up. That's just ignorance. So when, when, when it's appropriate, I'm 100% backing in. So I don't know if that solves the solves the fight or the argument. <laughs> Maybe I muddied it more. All right. So Christian, so we brought you on for a reason and it's not for your what? backing really? in expertise. Okay. Okay. We brought you in because you said recently 99.6% chance that Brady will not be back in new England. You live up there. We played yeah. together up there. Yeah. You have a show up there. What, yes. what, what changed? What, what information do you have? Why do you feel that way? Well, first of all, it's, it's, this, this is probably the craziest year of free agency I've ever seen in my life with one guy. But here's what changed. We've been, I've been doing this running, this running bit about percentages for, since you know, free agency started. I was at 80%. And then I, and then I jumped to like 90%. Then I jumped to 99.6 because I want to give myself some wiggle room. I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody sourced any information from me. This is purely my opinion based on just, you know, my experience, one, with free agency, two, with the Patriots, and three, I would say, based on just all the bogus information and that is out there. 
and what the reality is, because I started thinking about myself as a free agent and what I was doing and how when, every time I was a free agent or becoming a free agent, I knew a year ahead of time. I knew based on the landscape, uh, who, was, who was in my tight ends group, how much money they had, what type of vision they had, what, what direction the team wanted to go in. I knew every single time. And, and, and also every single time, I was a little bit delusional thinking that, no, 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 they want me, they want me. Well, they didn't because the facts were right in front of my face. My agent was telling me I understood how the league worked, okay? So when I could see it clearly, you know, then I was able to be honest with myself. So I just started I – just, I just look at Brady's contract. Look at what he's doing with his life. Look at the fake narratives and, and all the leaks and all the stories that are coming out there from various – analysts or slash quote-unquote insiders um, who are talking about, you know, just for example, uh, we'll, we'll let Brady go out and, you know, you know, Patriots are willing to let Brady go out and test the market. Uh, the Patriots are willing to, you know, pay him 30 plus million dollars. I mean, it's, none, of it, none of it makes any sense. None of it whatsoever, because there is this 13.5 cap. There is this idea that if you let him walk, he ain't coming back. One, because someone else is going to make him a better offer. Two, um, they're, they're, uh, they're going to they're gonna have to try and match it, which I don't think they can or even want to. And then in the end, I was like, you know what? Why is it crazy to assume that the Patriots are just okay with him playing someplace else? Like, why, is it, why, why can't it be that they want to move on also? They tried to do it before with Jimmy Garoppolo when he was younger. And the fact that he made, 20, he made $23 million, they could have upped his salary, they never did. So all of a sudden, they're going to pay him 30 Why? Because now he's a free agent? Now, after one, one of his worst years, and he's getting older? I, guys, none of it makes sense. So once I was able to step away from it, talk to some other people, just friends of mine who have played, who have been in the business or played for the Patriots, we all said, hey, you know how this works. And I was like, yeah, I do. I don't know what the hell I was thinking before. Like it was going to be any different, but again, still my opinion, like that's it. But people are playing it off. Like it's some sort of fact or like it's some source information, which it isn't. So, you know, it's interesting Christian, because I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. And when I see the reports out that they're willing to offer them 30 million a year that they want to know by March 16th, which, by the way, makes no sense. Like, he's never even met some of these other coaches and people like that. And when Robert Kraft keeps saying it's his preference that Brady comes back, I feel like the Patriots are already kind of getting out there in front of what's yeah. going to be the PR battle when Brady, if and when Brady eventually goes somewhere else, you know, these craft comments, the 30 million, the March 16th, I almost feel like that's their way of laying the groundwork so that people don't blame them when he goes somewhere else. Yeah, you know, you're, you're on it. I agree with you. I just, after, I don't know how many days or it's been, I just felt like on Wednesday, I just felt like I was being lied to. I was being taken advantage of. I used to have this offensive line coach you know, who used to say, uh, you know, don't, and when, when guys would give them false information during a play, instead of being honest with what happened, they would lie during, you know, a halftime adjustment or during, you know, series. And then I remember he said, you know, stop peeing on my head and telling me it's raining. You know, stop, stop, 
Stop trying to act like it's something. What I all we all know that it, that's not what it is. And I think there is this PR push. I do think there is this. Let's get out there. But the information is misleading, and it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't add up. So I was like, I was like, uh, 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 I'm just going to try and look at it from a player's perspective who was in the league, was a free agent multiple times, had a family, was nearing the end of the career, was trying to lay roots, was trying, was trying to serve not only my wife but my kids and my career and trying to do the right thing. You know, that's what, how I looked at it. And the other part of this is I just don't know why it's okay to admit that he's been here a long time. It's been unbelievably awesome. And you know what? He's going to be gone two years, and when he comes back, there'll be a statue in front of Gillette Stadium. Like, why? It's like, it's like nobody wants to be blamed for him leaving if he does leave. You know, like nobody wants to take the blame for it. Well, it wasn't our fault. We offered him up. We said we'd offer him up to thirty million. I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, well, Brady said, uh, you know, it's all about weapons. Well, you know, we're not giving them weapons. You know, how could they? You know, so I think that. This whole March 16th date is bogus. I think they already know. I think they, I, in my opinion, they already knew that this was a the route they're going to inevitably take with Brady. Yeah. And that's okay to say that. It doesn't mean, like, the world's coming to an end. Christian Fourier with us, former Patriots tight end host at WEEI, Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier. Uh, you look at that as a former player. You look at major sports news yesterday as a parent and as a former University of Colorado tight end, your son, Caleb, committed to yeah. play for the University of Colorado to go play for Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, after one five and seven season and a pretty stellar recruiting class that included your son, bolted to Michigan State for one reason and one reason only, a significant one, they doubled his salary. What's your reaction to Mel Tucker telling parents like you and kids like your son that he's going to be there, he's committed, he is staying, and then leaving for money. Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot to say on this, and I want to be careful because emotionally, like, I was, I was affected by it, right? Because he does talk to you. You do give up other opportunities. Like, my son had his choice of where he could go, and he chose Colorado for a big reason because of Mel. But I, will, I did tell him this. I said, listen, like, they're all lying to you. All of them. They all lie. It's like they're, it's part of their job to lie for a living. Hey, offer scholarships that aren't real scholarships unless you take an unofficial visit so they can – whatever. It's like it's on and on and on. So they're constantly lying to you, and there's always some, some, some truth in there to kind of convince you that, you know, they want you to sign there. I always, I always told them, do not fall in love with the coach. Do not fall in love with your position coach. They will be gone I had three different, four different offensive coordinators. I had three different position coaches. I was lucky enough to have the same head coach, but most guys don't have that luxury. Their, their coach leaves and comes and goes. So on one hand, it's part of the it's part of the business. On the other hand, you do have some accountability, Mel Tucker. Like you do have some accountability. I get it. A better looking person walked in uh, to the dance, and now you don't like the date you came with, right? So you 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 leave. And you leave for more money, it's a great opportunity, blah, 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 blah. Fine. Okay, we'll move on. We'll get over it. But my issue is you do have a responsibility to the players and the parents whose house you walked into, whose mothers you sat down and talked to, whose kids that you convinced and sold them on a vision. You sold them on an idea. And, okay, this is life. 
things change. Let me explain it to you. Well, they're going to be mad at you. They're going to yell at you. But at least you can hold your head up, walk around Michigan State campus, knowing that you did the right thing despite of how painful it was going to be. So, yeah, I'm a little angry with not the fact that he left, but how it's being handled, right? And it maybe, it's, maybe it paints a picture of a bigger problem in the NCAA and recruiting. I can't even I, – I don't even want to try to distinguish and how to deal with that. Coaches leave all the time. It's part of the business. People leave jobs all the time. I don't want to get into that. Just do the right thing. Get on the phone. Well, Michigan State won't let me do it. Well, tell Michigan State no. If Michigan State was willing to double your, your salary and convince you to leave when you'd already had a commitment with somebody else, tell them you won't take the job unless you can do the right thing. And then everybody's happy, right? I mean, to me, that's ultimately my biggest issue. Everything else is part of life. Get over it. Let's move on. My biggest problem with it is when guys, grown-ass men, who are teaching accountability, discipline, do the right thing, accountability, don't do it themselves. A bunch of freaking hypocrites. So whatever. I don't want you to raise my son. I don't want you to teach him anything because you obviously don't know how to do it. You know, that drives me insane, guys. And I hate that fact that I'm getting so angry because the job's not done yet. Like, the job's not finished. You can't take another job unless you close the door on the last job that you were at. So, whatever. Do what you want, you know? Passionate, man. I understand. I can't imagine your frustration as a parent. Christian Fourier, the man, the myth, the legend, 99.6% sure Brady's leaving New England. Check him out. Ordway, <laughs> Fourier. Radio.com app. Good to talk to you, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, boys. Everybody settle down. Let's have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Got them all fired up. Christian Fourier, thank you. Christian Fourier is angry about this situation. Mel Tucker leaving Colorado, going to Michigan State. Well, Drew Pearson is angry at the situation as a grandparent. A similar tale to Christian Fourier and what he just told us. The legendary Cowboys wide receiver, Part of the 1970s all-decade team, one of the greats of all time, Drew Pearson, joining us on Home and Home. Great to have you on, sir. It's Dave Briggs, and it's Ross Tucker. You called Mel Tucker a con man on Twitter yesterday. Explain why. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm a little fired up after listening to Christian. I was going to uh, uh, take a different approach, but I understand how he feels about the process and the system. That's the problem. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, I'm concerned, uh, first of all, I want to apologize to Mel Tucker. He's not a con man. I mean, he's just part of the system. He's just doing what's best for him, what's best for his family. He's paid his dues in the coaching ranks and stuff like that to get to where he is, uh, to be offered a $30 million package, uh, type salary package, uh, to go to Michigan state. And, you know, he's from up that way and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of stuff played into his decision. And the reason I was so upset is because when I, I, I'm sleeping in bed, I get the, uh, the text alert uh, that he's decided to go to Michigan State, and I get pissed right away. And I contact my grandson. Did he hear about this? And he says, yes, I heard about it, Grandpa. He says, as a matter of fact, it's the first thing I woke up to this morning. So he got the same kind of flash text that I did. 
concerning uh, Coach Tucker making the decision to go to Michigan State. And I felt bad for him because, you know, he went through that recruiting process. Coach Tucker sat there with two other kids from the area that decided to go to Colorado, two very good athletes that could have gone anywhere, uh, along with my grandson, just about anywhere. Uh, You know, and I just felt that I felt his disappointment there. And when the coach is there and bringing us all together, all the three guys uh, that from this area, when he met with us with some other assistant coaches and with each of us had all our family there and our parents and uh, grandparents like myself were there. And, you know, when they tell you things, you believe that, you know, you want to take that as gospel because you're making a big decision. At, the, at this point in the life, this is my grandson's biggest decision he's ever had to make. And for him not to be able to uh, go with somebody that influenced or be there with somebody that influenced that decision, you know, that, that's the disappointing part. And I came out because I was upset. I was really upset. And not so much with uh, Mel Tucker. You know, Baylor interviewed him. I sat in that office with Matt Rule, and he's telling my grandson the same thing. He ain't going nowhere, you know? So I'm more upset with the system, the process. And the NCAA does not do anything unless they're forced to do something. They sit there and watch how this process plays out each and every time a coach moves and each and every time somebody other than the players get the benefits of that for participating in the NCAA, whatever sport it might be, you know, but they never do anything. That's why California, the laws, the uh, judicial system had to step in and force the uh, NCAA to bless the fact that, you know, in California players can make, you know, uh, benefit off their lights and presence uh, that they bring to the universities and stuff like that. So, I was more upset with the uh, process. And here again, guys, Ross and Dave, I'm more upset with Michigan State. You know, they just throw money out there and then they say, we don't have enough money to pay athletes and stuff like that. But they'll throw big numbers like that out there at coaches. You know, I understand their process was very, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, tough as far as finding somebody that wants to accept that job. A few other people, including Mel Tucker turned it down but you know this is michigan state we got deep pockets we can get somebody how are we going to get them well if we can't get them because we're michigan state we'll get them because we're michigan state and we can throw some money at them that they and make an offer that is very difficult for anybody to refuse that's in that coaching profession so you know getting all back to this uh i'm i'm i apologize to mel tucker He's a good man. He has a great family. His wife's an attorney. He's got two great sons. And I hope that, you know, uh, they didn't take that to heart that their their father, their husband is a con man, because he's not that by any means, for sure. Yeah, Drew, um, well, well said on a lot of different levels. Always good to talk with you. Um, I talk with recruits all the time and absolutely tell them to not pick a school based on the coach. But obviously that's a big part of it. Uh, If I'm wrong, Drew, but there is not a mechanism 
whereby your grandson can immediately transfer and not face any issues in terms of sitting out as a result of this. Because to me, that would seem to be the easy fix, would be that if there's a material change, like the head coach or position coach leaves, that mm -hmm. the players at that position, or any of them if the head coach leaves, should be able to transfer immediately without penalty if they so desire. Yeah, that definitely. If, if the coach can do it, why can't the players do it? And the coaches complain about it. They complain about the transfer portal, portal and all this. They complain anything that takes away from what they're trying to achieve. You know, coach up the, the next guy up, you know. If this guy wants to leave and he doesn't see it's the fit for him, you know, they should be able to leave just like the coaches can leave without any penalty. No Tucker's not going to have to sit out a year. But if my grandson, unless Colorado releases him, and other schools have contacted him uh, since uh, yesterday, since this news came out uh, uh, about my frustration, and, of course, uh, with Mr. Tucker going to Michigan State. And so other schools have contacted my grandson, and I'm sure the other guys from this area that made commitments to Colorado because they're very good athletes. I'm sure they got contacted by other schools as well. But what happens if that my grandson, can he decommit and go to another school? Uh, will Colorado uh, step up and release or uh, make it uh, uh, the release available for these guys to go on to another school if they so desire, desire since they, a big part of their decision to go to Colorado was Mel Tucker. I mean, he's a great man. I mean, I was—I wanted to sign with Colorado after talking to him, you know? Uh, so he had a big influence. Yeah, you pick the school and the, and the school and the education and, and the, uh, the course of studies that the school has to offer. You pick a school for that reason. There's no question about that. But the big influence in your decision is the coach. So anyway, the players need to have the same equal rights as the coach to move on. And the coaches, these coaches recruit players each and every year. You know, they're, 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 uh, their nest egg, so to speak, as far as the, the wealth of players they have on their roster doesn't get depleted. Like the NFL it doesn't change over and it changed over in four years. You get these kids for four years. Uh, if you treat them right and they get the playing time that they, they desire, you get them for those four years, and they expect to be there for those four years. So, anyway, uh, uh, it's the it's the process, it's the system, and you know how everybody has a price. And uh, Michigan State realized what they had to do; they had to up the price to get the coach that they want, and that's what they did. Shines the light on a broken process, to say the least. Talk with legendary Cowboys wide receiver Drew Pearson. And to be frank, Drew, I'm a Colorado alum. I woke up the exact right same way you did. I was angry all morning. I went on other radio stations. I called him a snake. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not going to apologize or take that back. Because if he recruited the way Mike Vrabel did, now Mike Vrabel wasn't a head coach. He was an assistant coach at Ohio State. He told every kid exactly what Ross Tucker believes. Don't choose any school for any coach. Vrabel told guys, choose schools based on that school, the feel, 
the stadium, uh, the people you meet at that university. I wish Mel Tucker and others recruited that way. I talked to two other parents besides you and Christian that said he very much committed to being there and staying there, that this was a dream opportunity. So that's why I'm not backing down from what I had to say about it. Want to get your thoughts as well, Drew, on how the Hall of Fame process rolled out uh, this past Super Bowl week with the Centennial team. You were there with friends and family. We all expected you to make the Hall of Fame to get the call. How, how do you take that situation? Are you angry with how it played out and that Centennial team? Uh, yeah, not not necessarily angry, uh, but disappointed for sure. You know, I've never been a finalist. I'm all decaded 1970s, and I watch guys from the, that all-decade team and including the second team all decade, go into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, you get frustrated. You think, why? Why are they going in and you're not going in? What did I do different from what they did? And why can't I get that recognition? Receivers that I beat out for the all-decade team in the 70s are leapfrogged me right into the Hall of Fame. Lynn Swan was the other wide receiver of the uh, first team all-decade. His running mate. John Stallworth didn't even come close to making all decade first or second team. And he leapfrogged me, uh, leapfrogged me right into the hall of fame. So, you know, this is the first time I've been a finalist. And so I don't know how to act as a finalist. And so I was, I wanted everybody to be there. I invited every local TV station in the market to be there. Cause I've worked for everyone each, uh, all four of the uh, local TV stations here. Over the years, uh, I've worked for each one of those stations at some point over the years. So I invited them all. I couldn't tell one to be here and not the other. And then I wanted my family and some close friends to be part of this. So I thought this was my way to get in. The other way didn't work out for me. The normal way didn't work out. It hasn't worked out in over 30 years. So I figured this might be it. So I wanted everybody to be there to be part of it. And then when I saw Harold Carmichael go, and uh, I knew he was second team all decade, I said, wow, this might be it for me. So I kept looking at my phone. I kept waiting for my phone to ring, vibrate, do anything, but it never did. And so when the final name was called, you know, the frustration just came out, and I was just disappointed. And I, what I hope to get out of that, when people saw that on a viral level, trending worldwide and all that kind of stuff through Pearson going through this. What I hope they get out of that is an understanding of what we athletes go through. We professional football players go through in this process of uh, trying to get into the hall of fame. And I want it to be tough. I want it to be a tough process because the NFL hall of fame is the most prestigious of all hall of fames. All right. In pro sports and any in any sports on college level or uh, professional level. Look at the NBA, look at the Basketball Hall of Fame. Everybody gets in the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not an NBA Hall of Fame. It's not a college Hall of Fame. It's just the Hall of Fame. And, you know, everybody gets in to the Hall of Fame. You could be a ball boy. If you've been a ball boy for 20 years for, for a college basketball team, you know, you get recognition in, into the uh, – uh, basketball Hall of Fame, but the NFL Hall of Fame has maintained its uh, integrity of being uh, the most prestigious of all Hall of Fames by because it's so difficult to get in. 
But at the same time, I don't care how difficult the process is, the deserving ones still need to get through that process. They need to make up for the mistakes. And that's part of why the Centennial class was uh, established to try to make up for the mistakes that the Hall of Fame voting committee had made over the years. And so you would think that I'd be part of that process, the mistake they see, since they voted for me as the all-decade receiver of the 70s. Uh, their vote got me that recognition. You would think that's one of the mistakes that they would want to correct. So uh, I was disappointed. And again, what I hope they see is that the anguish we go through, these not necessary to fans and the public, but these Hall of Fame voters, the, these guys that have the and ladies that have the, the voting rights and have our fate in their hands. And they could see that because I know Everson Walls was up last year and he had to go to Canton to find out if he got in or not. And he never got that knock in a positive way. And he found out and his whole family's there in Canton. And nobody saw the anguish that he went through when he found out he didn't make it into that class, you know? So anyway, what I went through, hopefully, uh, hopefully what we can get out of that is that the anguish we professional athletes, we professional football players, uh, excuse me, go through when our name is not called. So it sounds like Drew, I was going to ask if you regretted having all the cameras there. It sounds like not at all. Not at all. No. Uh, uh, Ross and Dave, hey, 15, 20 minutes later, we were popping that champagne. <laughs> we, we're still celebrated. You know, we got close. We became a finalist. And now maybe the name is out there and maybe uh, it'll it's out there on the radar. I talked to Rick Gossman, uh, who has a vote, and we've been communicating back and forth through this whole process. And, you know, he and, he and I both agreed, you know, now your name's back out there. Now you're on the radar. And maybe with that, you'll get in through the normal process uh, since you didn't get in through this extended process. Drew Pearson with us, legendary Cowboys wide receiver. Last question for you today is how do you feel about the way the Dak Prescott contract situation has played out? Is Jerry Jones... Um, underappreciating his quarterback, and who do you think is the Cowboys' quarterback for the foreseeable future? Oh, there's no question it's that. You know, Jerry Jones knows this. He will get this deal done. If he can get the deal done with uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Zeke Elliott, and Zeke had two more years before he could do anything. He had one more year in his rookie contract and then an option, so he couldn't do anything, but Jerry still took care of him because he knows this is a window of opportunity for him. If we let Dak go, if we let Dak walk uh, and not franchise him or whatever uh, to give him the ability to walk as a free agent, uh, you know, where where do we go? Where do we go as far as that position is concerned? We don't have any body of significance in the backup role or anything like that. So, there's no question uh, Jerry will get this deal done with Dak. He likes Dak. He knows what Dak brings to the table. Dak is his Troy Aikman. What he has to do is surround Dak and this football team in this window of opportunity with the best talent that he can put on the field, offensive, defensively, and special teams, 
But not only that, with the best coaching, you know, I think the the best move the Cowboys have made as uh, as other than bringing in Mike McCarthy as head coach is the changes they made on the defensive side of the football. You know, we needed to come up with new schemes and take advantage of the talent uh, that we have on defense. But the Cowboys are in a situation where they got 25 or 26 or so unrestricted free agents. So there's a lot of money uh, that they got to uh, uh, spread out uh, to get just bodies on the football team. But the first thing they got to do is take care of Dak, and they, they're going to do that. And, you know, Dak has become a little defiant about the, the franchise tag, tag, and I don't blame him. Nobody wants that tag, you know, especially if you can get a long-term contract and uh, secure your, your, your future. You don't want to play uh, uh, contract to contract, tag to tag. And uh, so the NFL has it set up that way, but uh, – uh, I know Jerry Jones does not want to do that. He does not want to go into training camp with a discussion, well, into the offseason and the offseason workouts and all that kind of stuff, uh, the mini camps. He doesn't want to go into that with a disgruntled quarterback because that'll send a negative message throughout the rest of the football team. And uh, you guys know that that doesn't work in the NFL if you want to, if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, you can't have that negativity. Uh, within your ranks of the the players, uh, that's for sure. Feels like where it's headed, but you never know with Jerry Jones. Drew Pearson, legendary Cowboys wide receiver, great to have you on the program this morning. Thanks so much for the insight. Pleasure, guys. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Dave. Have a great day. Go Cowboys. Go go boys. Good job there, Drew. Uh, Quick as we wrap that up before break, Ross. Uh, Drew Pearson apologizing to Mel Tucker, saying he's not a con man, he's a good man. Couldn't Mel Tucker have handled this situation better? Couldn't he recruit in a different way that would leave people like Drew, Christian Fourier, and myself feeling better this morning? Well, first of all, how how do we all know how he recruited? Uh, You know, I mean, uh, you know. He just told you. I don't know. Two people just told you, and I've told you similar stories. That's how. Right, but what's he going to say? I'm going to leave? He didn't think he was going to leave. He didn't know that Mark D'Antonio was going to resign the day before signing day and that Michigan State would offer to double his salary and double the coaching pool. Like, I, I, I don't have a big problem with that. I think what most people are really upset about is the tweet where he said, I'm staying, I'm not going and then Michigan State re-up. I don't. I think everybody would feel a lot differently about this if Mel Tucker never sent that tweet out. I think that tweet is what bothers people because it's like he yeah. said he's staying, he said he's not going anywhere, he's building something, and then he changed his mind because they offered him more money and stuff. Because deep down, I don't I, like. I don't believe you, Dave. I don't believe anybody that says they wouldn't have done this. Like. I don't like if it were your children, you would tell your children to do this, you know, for a lot of reasons. And I disagree with you when you say it was only about money. It's also about his assistant coach's money. It's also about a, a, a program that he believes probably has a better chance to actually go to a national championship and absolutely about being a lot closer to his family. I really think it's the tweet that bothers people more than anything else. 
But he also said those things in a far more passionate forum with donors, with boosters, and with some of the parents that he recruited right around the same did. time he tweeted that. So I mean, he, Nick Saban said, said those, I'm not yeah. Nick Saban said I'm not gonna be the Alabama coach. And then he was. Like yeah. I mean look they all they all say that stuff until until they're not, until it changes. But you have said yourself you wish you wish more recruiters and it and I think you use the same words that I've heard Vrabel use which is don't pick a school based on any coach. They are going to do what's best for them. Do you wish more coaches recruited that way? I see. I don't know what that means. Cause you're making it sound like Mel Tucker said, you should come to Colorado for me. I'd like to think Mel Tucker said you should come to Colorado because it's a great school. It's Dave Briggs, alma mater. We've got a great stadium. It's in Boulder, Colorado. Like you make it sound like Mel Tucker. Like okay. if Mel Tucker's telling people come to Colorado because of me, then you definitely shouldn't go there. Because any coach that would say that is asinine. I did talk to one parent who faced a very unique situation. So I can't tell you the exact details on the air, but one parent who said, look, he really only fits if he's going to transfer your program. Are you going to be around? And Mel Tucker said, yes, absolutely. I will be there. I am committed. But look, this this will go on and on. And you know what? Frankly, I should give Mel Tucker the opportunity to come on and to explain himself. I'll send him a text here this morning, see if we can get him on the program and, and answer Christian and answer Drew and myself. Um, after the break, very fascinating piece hit the Washington Post regarding the Houston Astros cheating scandal. How many teams across the league knew for how long and what did they do with those suspicions? All of those questions answered in a really incredible piece in the Washington Post. The author joins us after a break. But first, Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised. She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. Home and home. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.